Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, crafting, creativity, with a dash of garden, chatting about current interests, and life in my northern town. You can find show notes at mycreativecorner3.com. You can also find all of my social media, how to purchase a virtual cup of coffee, and all events on the website. Please feel free to stop by and leave a comment. I really appreciate everyone who listens. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to the podcast. everyone. It is October 22nd. Wow. The month is, I can't believe three weeks of it's gone already. I have been working very hard on just enjoying this lingering fall weather. It's been in the 40s to 50s. We've had, yeah, probably a lot more rainy days than sunny days. But on the couple of times that we really wanted it to be nice out, the weather cooperated. Now, I haven't been to any college football this season. Not sure we're going to make it to one this year. But we've chose a couple other activities that are just as much fun. I haven't been to any high school football either. Sitting out in the damp air has not always been my friend. But today we have the beautiful autumn weather. It is 50 degrees outside. It's sunny and the leaves have hit their peak and now we're starting to get a little bit post peak. Yesterday we drove down to a concert um, at the Soaring Eagle in Mount Pleasant. It's a casino but they have a lovely venue for listening to live music, comedy, all the kinds of things that they do at those kind of uh, venues. But one of the bands that I never got to see live when I was younger is a group called Foreigner. I think their Foreigner 4 album was released in the late 70s, maybe 79. And they had so many hits on that particular album it's like the soundtrack my husband and I were talking about the soundtrack of our youth and they didn't have a lot of the original players in fact I'm not sure at this point if the traveling band is any of the original um, founding members because they would all be probably in their late 70s but this group is endorsed by one of the members and they sound amazingly close to the original band. So it was well worth the tickets, the light show, the smoke, the background that looked dimensional, playing all kinds of graphics while they were singing and playing. Um, What I like about groups when you go to smaller venues like this is it's an older crowd. I mean, I'm in my late 50s and I am, you know, probably, oh, there are a lot of people there who were my age or older. I saw quite a few 
people walking with walkers. And yet there were some young people and the <laughs> the lead singer goes, and it was a good chance that the person sitting next to you may have bought your ticket. Yes, there were a lot of, you know, probably millennial aged children attending with their parents. So it was a lot of fun. And because it was small, one of the songs had a choir in it. Um, I want to know what love is. If you happen to know that song in the background on the original soundtrack, they had a choir. And so as they travel to each small town, they bring out the high school choir. And it was wonderful because it was a great way to remind people that the arts are incredibly important. And you know, I talk about that a lot and encourage people to write their school boards in their legislatures um, to be able to say, hey, art is important. And it's part of uh, many programs. I know that it is being discontinued or limited. And so it was a great venue to say, hey, everybody, art is important. It's important for the development of children, and it's important for adults. As we had a wonderful time. Now, it was not our anniversary or anything, but because we chose not to spend the night, my husband was feeling well enough to drive home. He goes, they've been getting done pretty early. We're only about two hours from the concert, hour and a half, two hours. Um, we decided to take some of the money and eat out and have a saved, you know, money saved. Let me finish that sentence. Some of the money saved if we were to get a hotel room and we ate at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. I've never done that before. Everybody in there was their anniversary or a special occasion. And for us, it was too. It was date night. <laughs> we haven't been out on a fun, romantic date like this in a long time. And I'll have to say it was incredibly expensive. But that was something also was the soundtrack of my youth was eating out with my grandparents. It was part of what my grandfather, um, who was a farmer, and he loved to go to very exquisite, expensive restaurants with all of the silverware, linen, tablecloths. And it was part of, you know, showing us that only, you know, eating out isn't just for food. It was a uh, entertainment. It was lovely. It was also a way to teach us a little bit about manners and culture. <laughs> and um, we had fabulous, fabulous meal. We got steaks, if you want to know. We got steaks and we got Brussels sprouts as a side and some au gratin potatoes because we've never ate there. So we got two sides. Let me tell you, the sides are huge. One probably would have been enough because we also ordered appetizer, which was their artichoke um, feta. It was a dip and then I get this next thing I know, she's bringing out cheesecake desserts that we did not order. But um, I said happy anniversary on there. And we go, oh, it's not our anniversary. And you please don't don't need to bring us cheesecakes. If, if you she goes, no, no, you are having a wonderful date night. So we got cheesecakes on top of it with a couple of drinks. It was lovely. And then we went to the casino part and I lost my $20 bill 
into my favorite machine, which is called um, King's Poker. I think it is. It's like five card draw and it's a video game. And, you know, it's an incomplete waste of money. I would not endorse going to the casino, but like like we do every five years and we had an hour to waste. So we lost each our $20. Now my husband's normally more lucky than that, but you know, when we were younger, we played a lot of card games and um, cards is, is something I do miss playing with other couples. And sometimes you would play card games like poker where you actually bet, bet money, you know, like a nickel at a time. There's always a limit and there were friendly games. But um, I kind of miss that. So maybe that's what the casino brings to me is some memories of playing cards. But anyway, that was our night's worth of entertainment. And the weather was absolutely lovely. And I enjoyed it very much. So there is some good news, bad news. Uh, my husband's Highland game season ended. And for the last several weeks, he kept going, ah. My hand, you know, in the my right hand and the thumb, it really hurts. And I go, well, you probably sprained it or did something. But the pain has been getting worse and worse. So he had an x-ray, which shows some questionable areas in the bone underneath the thumb that it looks like it may very well be broken. So he's going to an orthopedic doctor on Tuesday. And, um, yeah, it's getting worse because he keeps using it. And <laughs> I keep telling him, I mean, he drives trucks, so there's lots of things that's going to be difficult um, for him. But he goes, yeah, we need to find out what kind of brace or what they recommend. So first step in healing that business up is going to be mm -hmm, seeing an orthopedic doctor. So I have been working really hard on cross stitch. Yep, yeah, Stitchtober is here and I have done a little bit of sewing which we'll talk about in a minute. But Stitchtober I signed up to participate with Fat Quarter Shop in doing Autumn Days ornaments. So so far there's three circles that I have done and they're about two and a half inches around these circles and I got six tart tins I forgot to order the circle sticky circles that you put your cross stitch over and wrap it around and then you put the whole thing into this ornament that looks like a little tart tin or a very shallow mm, cupcake paper. There we go. Boy, my brain kind of stopped there for a minute. Um, so I've got one tart tin fully finished and it was with the pumpkin with the teal dot circle around it. Really, I thought it was going to be hard to do without the sticky circles, but I got my Cricut out and I have some cardboard and I cut the cardboard out, glued some white warm and natural on the top, trimmed it down to 2.6 inches because that's how big the sticky circles would have been. And then I wrapped the cross stitch around it and I did a running stitch about a quarter inch away, maybe yeah, quarter inch from the actual edge that needed to be folded over, 
cut the fabric, which terrified me. And then when I, the running stitch was done, I trimmed it down and I gathered it up, which wrapped nicely around my little puffy circle and it sits right in the tartan beautifully. I used a Aileen's glue stick for all of the gluing and that's how I mounted it in. I'm sure it can pop out and it will pop out, but for now that's exactly what I'm going to use it for. And where are you going to put autumn ornaments, you ask? Well, they used a tear tray in Fat Quarter Shop's picture. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a tear tray that I change out seasonally. And I'm going to put the six tartans in there. Now there are 12 of the motifs, but I've decided after I do the six with the circle background, that I'm not going to do that for the other six. The other six I may do in, um, they have some free settings with border, cross-stitch borders that you can put. And there was a wonderful Fat Quarter Shop floss tube video that showed how she took some of these motifs and stitched them into a grid of nine and made a toss pillow. And I thought, I love that. And I have an eight of 14 count in a avocado or maybe avocado type of green, sage green. And I bought that for the other six ornaments, but I thought that's big enough. And I like working on Ada. I'm sorry to tell everyone who is the, the 25 count Lugana lovers. I can't see it very well and I'm struggling with it. <laughs> so I'm going to do the rest of these in that 14 count Ada with cute little sashing type borders in a nine, you know, configuration nine by nine squares. And they'll all be about three inches and it's going to be cute, super cute. So I love that project and I'm going to try to get I would love to get all six done, but see, it's the 22nd of October and I'm probably going to get three of the tartans done, maybe four, and then try doing the other two in November. And, you know, I'm going to go back to cross-stitching the Halloween one, um, probably beginning part of November for a while. And then the rest of that idea for the rest of the autumn days um, may sit until next summer or August when I can stitch it during the fall. There's always things to stitch, right? <laughs> I've got um, things. So I have a Christmas tree that I started last year. I'm going to pull out. It is the very primitive Christmas tree and I'm going to work on that in December and then in November I'm going to just keep going. Maybe um, working on the Halloween um, I think it's Happy Haunting with the orange full moon on the pistachio fabric. I love that. I'm going to keep working on that in November. So on the quilting front, what have I been working on? Well, I've got four broken dishes. Um, they're for the So Scrappy Spools project. And that leaves four of these um, snowball flowers to do. And I'm procrastinating on it because it's stitch and flip snowballs that are three inches for the patch and one and a half inch um, stitch and flip corners. And then you put four together for the flower. And I need to do four of those blocks. Then 
that project will be ready to be assembled as a top input in the stack to long arm. And um, yeah, long arming, I haven't, I've got a quilt on there for my own. It's been there for three weeks and I've done maybe one or two rows. How embarrassing. So I started to do what all good people do. And when you're frustrated and feeling out of sorts, you start a new project, right? <laughs> so to cope with that, I got all of the pads, which are called foundation paper piecing pads by Fat Quarter Shops Company. It's So Emma. And I have them all in four inches too, but I decided to go with the Petite Four, which they use the four inch foundation paper piecing pads. And I wanted to go with the six because I think the six, six inch will make a nice size wall hanging. And for this month to start with the Petite Four, it is a sampler and this month is eight of the courthouse stairs. And next month is the economy block and then there is a snail's trail block and there is a couple of other cool ones. I don't have it in front of me. That was silly. I knew I was going to talk about it. So the Petite Four. It's really a beautiful quilt along and it's going to be several blocks in a month, which I like that a lot, that format. And then you do it over several months and then the project's done um, versus, you know, a quilt along where you ram and jam and try to get it all done in a month or two months. It's got Stitchtober is great, but man, did I really think I was going to get all 12 of these done? I had this illusion that I was going to do it, but I I'm going to be happy to get uh, four of them stitched. Man, they're taking a lot longer than I thought for such a little project. And back to the Petite Four. It is Log Cabin, Pineapple, Economy, Courthouse Step, Snail's Trail. And if you want to have a pieced back, you can use the Sparkle Star. Sparkle Star, I don't think I want to put it on a back. If I'm going to do the Sparkle Star, which looks kind of complicated... I'm going to make it in its own quilt. So that's it in the quilting department. Yeah, I feel like that's lame. Like I haven't been getting a lot of it done. And I haven't. I have been utterly exhausted <laughs> this month. And if you remember, I had COVID again in August, September. So I'm into this getting better from it. And it's annoying. And I know you're probably sick of hearing about it as I am talking about it. So I'm not getting a whole lot done, but it's okay because I am not about the perfectionistic productivity. Perfectionistic, yeah, because I like paper piecing. And I think um, I just wanted to talk about that is that I had to put away two projects I started in September because I was having so much trouble and I messed up block five in the Lori Holtz seasonal stitchy stars table runner which is a quilted project with some lovely stars in it and they're very hard to do. I'm going to have to redo the last block for sure but my frustration is is that I've lost points on most of the blocks and I'm wailing about it because uh, it's traditionally pieced. She uses some methods that I've used before but maybe aren't my favorite but you know, 
I'm just going to put it away and try getting it out again later. Um, I have the opportunity to make this four times all colored for the different seasons of the year. And I could do all of them, but we'll see <laughs> if I can finish the fall table runner, which I think is beautiful. Um, but why mine isn't turning out has nothing to do, I think, with Lori Holt as much as a, a wish. Her, 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 I'll be honest, her star patterns are challenging, but um, it's mostly me. And it's a scrap project. I have plenty of color uh, fabric and the colors I need in case I need to start all over again, which I might. But um, it's in timeout. And the pumpkin... I did a easier wall hanging that Fat Quarter Shop did. I love that one. But the Lori Holt pumpkins that I started, I chose a bad background. And that is going to go in the trash, I think. Or I'm going to cut it up into a modern um, improv of something. Because I hate it. And it's that's, that's not even going any further forward. So everyone, say Barb, who are wondering in my madness, what am I doing with that? Nothing is going in the trash. It's going in the trash or it'll be chopped up unrecognizable into another project. So those couple things have really got me thinking maybe right now traditional piecing is not in my wheelhouse. So I'm going to do a whole bunch of foundation paper piecing. I love it. It's six inch and four inch is easy to do. For me, it's just by the paper, it makes it more perfect. And I'm going to just tout the praises of the It's So Emma foundation paper piecing. You may ask, why would you buy a pre-printed pack um, of paper when you can just print it off at home? See, right there is the problem, right? Have you ever used a printer and went, why doesn't this work nine times out of 10? Yeah, that's the printer. I have a new one that we're going to hook up here pretty soon, but it's just the nature of printers. And then it blobs ink all over this very expensive paper that I buy for foundation paper piecing, which is thinner. And I have smeared that ink all over my projects and got it on my fingers. And I'm going to tell you the heartache of printing it is terrible. And it wastes an A4 size piece of paper when you can get the exact size, which you need printed on this beautiful foundation paper that you can just easily tear off. So I am never going to print anything like that again if I can help it in the near future because my last printing job just made me so mad. I, I bought Corey Yoder's Barn Star and that was a project to print off a two-page pattern. I love the convenience of PDF patterns but printing them off is what I need to do because you know reading off of a cell phone on cutting directions is not advised. So <laughs> anyway, if you're like me, um, yeah, printing, oh, I just get so frustrated with it. And it's no different at work. We have printer issues all the time. Why? I don't know, but it's become like the biggest joke out there. You can have the newest and most up-to-date printer and programs, and they still don't work half the time, and you got to play around with it and waste paper. So all that to say is I'm going to be doing foundation paper piecing for a while and English paper piecing because 
traditional cutting and that is not working for me right now in traditional, you know, machine sewing. Uh, it's just too hard for my brain and too hard for me. And I like the, just the points being perfect. And I like how much easier it is to sew foundation paper pieces. And maybe, you know, there's part of me that still is a perfectionist. I mean, you have to be right to be a quilter and crafter, but yeah. So what other projects have I been working on? Well, not a whole lot else. That's really about it. But I did get my Cricut out yesterday. And since I had it out and I was cutting the chipboard, I cut those circles. Remember I said for the tart tins, I pulled up the floss drop shapes that I have, which I think they're five or six that I purchased this from Etsy. Didn't have to mess around with it. It was like a few dollars. And it's the best few dollars on a pattern I've ever spent for using my Cricut. And I cut out these um, floss drops out of the chipboard. And I sandwiched a couple layers of these chipboard because it's kind of thin for some of them. And some of them I left thinner. And then I glued them all together and put paper that I cut out. Same shapes. Um, it's an orange for the front and back. I've used an old upcycled book, which makes a very cool floss drop. And it's just like, you can't have too many floss drops. I'm finding because, you know, they get used up <laughs> in all of your projects real quick. So it's nice to have floss drops and it's nice to have rings and it's nice to have the rings with Ziploc bags on it for storing your floss. So it's, mine is, I'm finding I need to take a project week and where I'm home and maybe it's snowing this winter and separate all of my flosses because they've come a big knotted mess in my project bags really quickly. So word to the wise, don't do that and put them in uh, all on floss drops or in the, the Ziploc bags on rings that you can buy. They're thicker than that and they're nice vinyl and keeps the dust off them and it keeps them all um, so they're not in a big old tangled ball and uh, mess. Now I want to talk about a couple of things that I've noticed with products that I've been using and I have a product to review that's not quite out yet. So in the autumn days is weeks, it's weeks um, floss, weeks dye works. The color is absolutely beautiful. The floss is um, beautiful, but it knots a little bit easier. And I know it's way more expensive. But because I like working on Ada cloth, um, I'm not so sure that I would go and buy a whole bunch of Weeks Dye Works. Um, Fat Quarter Shop has a bundle of Weeks Dye Works and it's got about 28, well it says um, 20, 20 Dye Works colors for $52, which is, I think a lot of money, but it is specific. I think if you're looking for a specific, um, look 
to the the dye floss is really pretty and it's very saturated and it has a nice shine um, I find it harder to use to put on my tulip easy thread needles and um, I have to have the needle in the arm of my chair and then snap it in it's really strong but it also frays pretty quick because I think I have to fray it to snap it in um, so I'm just saying if if you don't mind not working with some of the finest threads I DMC is still my go-to. I really like it. Now, I haven't tried a whole bunch of other cross-stitch threads I've used or a fill thread. It's okay. I wouldn't go out of my way to buy too much of it for the price either. And um, the Lugana, it's okay. I'm not going to buy it again. Um, I thought I'd try it out for this um, tartan um, project but it was really recommended for the size so it would fit perfectly in those tart tints and it was designed for the Lugana for this particular pattern so um I'm not so sure I would buy some of the more expensive cross stitch fabrics because I'm finding they're harder to stitch on they feel great um I do enjoy doing this wig art Ada cloth and Witchell has nice Ada cloth and I'll probably stick with that I even use DMC's um Ada cloth and it's super stiff so depending on what you want stiff or soft fabric so sometimes the more expensive isn't always better and I have found that with some yarns too I hated working with some of the most expensive yarns that I've ever bought in my life and enjoyed some more middle of the road or what would be considered cheap yarn for projects. So I just want to say you don't have to spend the most money on everything to um, have a quality product at the end. Um, fabric, I'm a little more choosy about that because it's how fast the dye of the fabric rinses out when you wash it and I like a hand you know some fabric that is more expensive has a thinner hand it doesn't I don't know it doesn't feel woven as densely as some of the fabrics of old <laughs> some of it the cottons of old were like sheets they were really thick back in the day it's a little bit thinner now and that's okay because quilts don't need to be tarps you know and have that heavy so you know I want to say if you like using less expensive stuff maybe because of money um that's all right it makes great projects and I prefer a lot of things that are not the most expensive products out there and um if you've got um, opinions about different floss and why you like it, I'd love to hear it because I've only used DMC mostly. Back in the day, there were a couple of other companies like Anchor, I think, had floss. But it's pretty much DMC has a lot of your economy line flosses. And um, it's sturdy. The colors come in a lot. You can go online to your lo to local needle workshops and they have the rainbows of colors that you can pick from so I just wanted to say that because I was uh, for a long time felt like I was making inferior projects because I was using cheaper products 
Um, yeah, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that your project is going to look any better or be any better. Just you got to remember certain things have a certain look because of the product they use, but it's not always that specific. So that's really all I have to say about that. Now, a couple of fun things that I have been doing because, you know, it's the fall. Um, last weekend, we did go to the apple orchard. It was a lot of walking and that might be um, why I'm tired this week. And then I went to the concert, but it is so much fun to go to the, um, it's, it's several hours from my home, but it's called the Lewis Farm Adventure Zoo and Petting Farm. And they have a pick apples and they have all of the fun things. And it was better every year we go. There's something new and it's great to feel like you're a kid again and to do kid things. And we shot the apple cannons for extra few bucks um, they take the old yucky apples and they have these air-powered cannons that you can point at junk cars and targets out in the field that they have very safely roped off with ear protection. And we were in line with a couple hundred people and we all got our turn to shoot the apples that we bought for the cannons. Um, we met our son there and it was great. We had a super fun time. And, you know feeding the animals was so good in October. Sometimes when you go to petting zoos, it's like, you know, regular zoos in the heat of summer, they usually aren't active or they're in their enclosures. Well, they have a walk-through feeding parakeet aviary that was cool and the birds were hungry and they would land on your, the sticks that were covered in seed. And then we were able to see a brand new baby donkey that was like four days old. And we were able to pet that little donkey. It was so cute. There were camels. Yeah, they have camels. And then they had prairie dogs. And the prairie dogs, you could feed them, not from hand, but you could toss them some snacks. And it was so much fun to watch their engineering skills and digging tunnels. And some would like beg for food and like, clap their little hands oh my gosh it was so cute and they have the traditional goats and different animals but the one thing we got to watch was somebody um was feeding the capybaras and we were watching that and um they are really really big capybaras are i thought they would be a little bit bigger than nutrias in which they are a rodent but they look like giant um guinea pigs and they're probably up to the shoulder maybe three feet three and a half feet tall but they're really big you know and they're kind of intimidating creatures to be honest um, but we were able to do that they also have like games and slides and playgrounds and that they have a splash pad for the summer now we ran out of time to go take the tractor ride out into the you pick apples, which is fine. The ground is uneven and I didn't really want to trip and fall. So we ended our day in the bakery. And of course we've been through corn mazes and I have a lot of allergies. So I don't like running through the corn mazes. If the kids wanted to, you know, yeah, go ahead. But um, we ended in the bakery and got some 
really lovely baked treats, which triggered me in this like fall baking mood. So I got home, had the treats, there was some fudge and just, uh, it was such a great day. And that made me think, you know what? I usually make pumpkin bread about this time of year. So rather than make sure my spices and all that are getting old and I didn't have any flour in the cupboard. So I bought a box mix for pumpkin bread and I thought it had everything you needed and just you had to add eggs and oil. No, you had to buy a can of pumpkin. So back to the grocery store, I went today and for the can, well, the recipe only takes a half a can of pumpkin. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to throw away half the pumpkin. So I bought another box of pumpkin bread and I made the pumpkin bread this afternoon. And then I got my bread maker out and I had all of the ingredients ready to go. And I realized, where's the yeast? The yeast isn't in the refrigerator. It must have gotten old. Um, someone at work had brought another bag of powdered milk. Um, we do that. Like if people have like extra things and you're not going to use it, or maybe your parents do, some of them have elderly parents, or you have clothes that you don't want and you don't want to donate, you can take it to work and leave it on the table and people will take it and give it to either clients or use for themselves. So I brought some of the dried powdered milk home only to find I didn't have everything when I bought the flour today at the grocery store to make my bread. I don't have any flour or yeast. So I have to go buy some bread maker yeast because now I don't have any bread because I didn't buy a loaf of bread. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't this how it goes? Oh, are you like that? It's like, I know I had yeast in there. I just saw it the other day. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was last year. Who knows? <laughs> so no fresh crusty bread that I was so looking forward to. Oh, oh well, I will get bread making yeast. Maybe I'll go on Amazon and order it <laughs> rather than drive to the grocery store. Okay, you, let me explain why I said that. The grocery stores are not that far. It's only a couple miles from my house. But where I live in my city, you have to go under the underpass that is I-75. And I-75 is always very busy. And that is why we get a lot of tourists in town. Well, all of the fast food and gas stations, you know, are right by I-75. I have to go run that gauntlet to get to the larger big box stores because the one little Spartan store near my house is twice as much money to shop at. So you got to run the gauntlet of all of these stoplights and the interchanges of on and off and tourists, people who are following the GPS, who the GPS is wrong about on and off and all of these lanes because of so many reconfigurations of the on-ramp and off-ramps. It's so bad. There are multiple accidents and pileups all the time and people cut in front of you. People are changing lanes um, unsafely and they're all 
Uh, a lot of times are towing campers and boats and things like that. You know, tourists were coming to town, but they don't normally um, drive these things. So they don't know that you can't squeeze something that big into such a small space. And it makes the driving experience for me horrible. And I just got my car out of the repair shop not all that long ago, remember when I hit the deer about a year ago and it took months and I couldn't find headlights. So I'm like freaked out every time we go somewhere, someone's almost hitting me and then I'm not going to have my car. <coughs> so um, that's why I really hate going to the grocery store because you got to drive that horrible gauntlet of traffic and um, traffic interchanges for the um, interstate we call it freeway. Um, I know people who live in metropolitan areas. This is nothing for you. Um, you're probably laughing at my small town experience, but um, I miss the days where everything was like right in my little neighborhood. Now they have added a couple family dollars in town, so I could try to go there, but I know they're not going to have bread maker yeast. So I'm getting super lazy about going to the grocery store and I'm like, it was a nightmare trying to go through the vitamin aisle at the, so both of Walmart and Meyer have reset and remodeled within the last month. So you don't know where anything is yet. And so I'm trying to find my vitamins. I'm trying to find all of the things that I need to make my pumpkin bread and none of it's on the aisles where you think it's going to be and shopping is taking twice as long and we're trying to get it done before the football game and of course I missed the first 20 minutes of the game today. Boo-hoo! All right, it was fine because the Lions got spanked today and lost the game and um, so it was really not worth watching too much and that's why I finished the tartans. <laughs> anyway, the saga of why I hate going to the grocery store. And you know, people are frustrated in the grocery store, like I said, because both stores in town and we only have and we have Aldi and and so there's a few little places to shop, but people are getting very frustrated with not being able to find things. And of course it's very busy because it's gotten to a point where there is no off season anymore with tourists. So it's, it's just been a saga. And of course they redid the lanes. So shall I speak one more pet peeve? So Meyer decided to go away from the quick bagging system and go back to the old days of long conveyor belts and shooting it down to the end where a bagger bags your groceries for you instead of the little circle roundy twisty thing where you, the cashier throws your bags into it your your groceries into the bags twirls it and you take it off and then she fills it and twirls it you take it off well they don't have enough people hired and i think it's because of labor um shortages to bag your groceries. So I'm bagging the groceries while my husband's unloading the groceries and the bags won't stay on the bag stands. I dropped the bottle of water that we had to get and the cans and they're rolling all over the place. This happened two weeks in a row while I'm trying to bag and my poor husband with his broken hand, we're pathetic old people trying to get through the line. He can't lift and... <laughs> 
<laughs> like the milk and stuff. He grabbed it with his wrong hand. And oh my gosh, it was just what a what an event for the day. Anyway, he's feeling better and went out to the woods in hope that he'll be able to find a place to deer hunt and that he may be able to do that this fall. We'll see. If they cast his hand, he won't be doing any hunting like that. But it's really more that he wants to spend time with his uncle, who he has been going out hunting with. So a good day in nature and walking with his family is good. Um, so we did go out to the woods earlier this week into the wilderness area and saw a bunch of elk. And I did post a picture and I, they were all bugling because it's the rut. So I had a great time with getting out a little bit over this last week. So now you know why I haven't got as much sewing and quilting done because I'm not in a big hurry. However, winter is coming and when winter gets here, uh, the rides will be a little less because um, the roads are plowed in some areas. We got to you got to really make sure you go on a day that you know your four-wheel drive can get out. And there probably won't be as many trips to concerts. Um, maybe a hockey game. We'll find a few fun things to do, of course. And I am not doing a whole bunch of Christmas gifts by hand this year. I found... Uh, some ideas of things I want to buy smaller gifts and gift cards for people that lived far far away and family members because um oh shipping I got burned on my granddaughter's birthday presents this fall and did I tell you that story yeah at Costco the boxes didn't look that big the Squishmallow accessories and I bought all three of them, these boxes that were two feet long by 16 inches tall by two inches deep. They had to be shipped in a mirror TV box that are were 20 bucks a piece um, at Home Depot. And it was very expensive to ship those. <laughs> um, definitely directly mail them from Amazon. Don't try shipping wrapped gifts from Costco that look not that big until you get them home and you realize what you have done to yourself. So, well, thanks everybody for listening to the October adventures. And I hope that you had a wonderful couple of weeks since we've chatted and has fallen the air. Um, are you baking pumpkin bread like I am? Bread making? Anyone doing sourdough? Oh my gosh, I love sourdough. But I haven't made any in a while and I don't have any starter right now, but I could remedy that. Maybe I'll do that instead of the bread maker. Anyways, you have a most wonderful week and I hope that you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. I thoroughly enjoy the people who comment on the blog posts. And I've got virtual cups of coffee from 
Diane and Barb and Gail, thank you so much. And for everybody who um, shares and leaves comments and, and even those who comment and your head and don't get a chance to put a comment on the blog, I really appreciate your listening. I've been testing a lovely little iron from Oliso. And I want to tell you that it's currently not in production. So I've got to play with a prototype. Now I'm unpacking the packaging material so I can read the exact project iron. It's called the Oliso MP Pro. It's been reinvented for ironing, sewing, and travel. It has a little light on it. So when you lay the iron down to press, the little LED light pops on. It has a silicone mat to rest the iron on, or you can cover the sole plate with the silicone mat while not in use to protect it. What I love about this project iron is that it steams like no other. It steams really well. And I understand some of the other um, mini irons Oliso has had in the past um, had, didn't necessarily steam or they didn't steam at all. I don't know, but I know that they didn't steam well, if at all. So you can see better, it says. You can work better, it says. It comes in teal, a buttery color, and coral. I have a teal color and there is an option on how to change the cord placement from the right side to the left side. And being left-handed, that is why they want me to try it out. Um, I'm extremely left-handed. To the point now as I've gotten older that I have to exclusive. I'm not as ambidextrous as I was. And many irons, especially this mini iron, works out great for me because my sewing machine is sitting with the iron on my left-handed side. And with the cord being on the right, it gets in the way. And sometimes I've even had the cord travel across my wool mat and I've almost pressed the cord because I'm trying to use my left hand versus my right. And we are going to work on changing the cord. I got the instructions from Oliso and it doesn't look hard at all, but I am going to use my husband who has you know, his broken hand, but it's feeling well enough. He feels like he can, has enough dexterity that between the two of us, all you have to do is remove a few screws and flip the cord because they thought ahead on how the cord placement could be reversed for left-handed people. I like how it has a, does, doesn't have like a handle that's separate. It's integrated with the iron and it has a nice covering so you don't burn your fingers. It feels like it's a silicone cover over the whole top part of the iron. It has great lights that blink when it has come to temperature. And I have to say there isn't anything about this iron as a mini iron that I don't like. Would it be perfect for traveling to retreats? 
I don't know. I don't do it very much. It's it's way bigger than my little Dritz mini iron that gets so hot it, it will burn your fingers. I like that for like daytime classes and stuff um, because that's an inexpensive iron and if someone knocked it off the table and on the floor I probably wouldn't cry if it got broken. This one uh, I might be a little more hesitant to take no Liso traveling or put it in a suitcase but I am going to say that it steams so well vertically and horizontally that it would be great for steaming clothes and in fact I did steam and press a shirt this weekend when we went to the concert with this iron it's great for the paper piecing so all I can tell you is when it comes in production um I'm not sure what the price point is going to be. Uh, I believe it's going to be less than $100. And um, the current mini iron, I think, sells right around $70. Uh, I like it. And um, right on my little iron is stamped that it is not for sale. That this is a um, sample. So I really like it. And I'm hoping when they get all of the final decisions made about the Aliso Mini M3 Pro that they'll send me another sample to test and to talk to you about um, because I love reviewing products. So that's my review on the iron. Thank you. Oliso very much. Thank you everyone for stopping by my Creative Corner 3. And until next time, I hope everyone takes time to make something to create a little bit every day and to quilt on everyone. Mm -hmm.